surprised. Treading water that they drown. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Dad FF. And I got to say, guys, you know, we have a great show planned today. I just got YouTube TV because I am so excited for what's going on. You know, if you guys aren't subscribed, it is fantastic. Cut those cable bills. No, I'm not getting paid anything for talking about YouTube TV. But it's a great segue to say, guys, check out our YouTube channel. I mean, you think it's great listening to us? You should see our faces. You should see the extra stuff that we do on there. And our YouTube followers have actually doubled last from the July last last year or last month. So they've doubled. So go over there, check it out, subscribe. You know, you get a lot of extra stuff of looking at us, which is, you know, maybe you want to just stick to the podcast. But for some of us, you might want to. And switching over to that, I want to talk about the 101 of draft boards. I got it behind me again. DraftKits.co. And guys, that's .co. You guys go over there. Code SMASH, 10% off, all right? You guys have come out big time, you know, in, in supporting a, one of our, our sponsors, and those numbers are through the roof. Guys, if you want to go to your draft this year, nothing better than going in there with that draft board behind you. And one more thing, and this is my last plug here, is we've also teamed up with trophysmack.com. So we have you covered for the draft board. We have you covered for your trophy. If you guys go over to trophysmack.com, you put in code SMASH, you get a free championship ring. That's a $59 value. You know, we don't usually pump this stuff so much, but we got you covered for drafts. We got you covered for trophies just with that code SMASH, and we're going to take good care of you. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce one of the best podcast co-host condoms in the league, right? I mean, um, uh, tandems, you know, with, with Mung and John. You know, I, I heard some Snickers there in the back, but you got to excuse my language. It's tandems. The first one there, and if you guys don't know the reference, that's obviously the Jameis Winston train wreck interview where he called Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara the best running back condoms in the league. Um, you know, you got to have that protection, but you got to take care of it. The first guy we want to talk about is Mung. I mean, he's in here week in, week out, keep keeping me in check, bringing the heat, and you got some new stuff dropping at Fantrax this week. Yeah, what's going on, guys? Uh, of course, you guys can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. Uh, for those of you who've always wondered what FFA stands for, it is my redraft podcast, Fantasy Football Addicts. So we just dropped our first preseason episode there. Go check that one out as well. We talk about quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end fades and values for 2021 at ADP. And uh, just a ton going on right now. Uh, wrote about uh, some late round running back sleepers on fan tracks, and then I wrote about a couple of wide receiver uh, best ball sleepers on Rotoviz. So go check out all that stuff. I'm sure you'll have to rewind to remember everything that I just said. But all this means is football's almost here, and I'm pumped. Yeah, you got to find it, check it out. Mung is everywhere. Then, of course, the, the second part of that that tandem there is Dynasty Trade John. And John, I need to ask you a question here. Is there more offensive font than Papyrus? Because we're obviously talking about the Michael Thomas, you know, <laughs> Michael Thomas tweet here, which most of you guys know about. He goes out there and says, they tried to damage your reputation. You saved theirs by not telling the other side of the story. That's right. Yeah, that was one of the big news stories. And, and wow, this guy, MT, he's falling pretty hard. It looks like he wants out now. 
but yeah, I, you know, I love this time of year that the kind of the redraft crowd is starting to show up. We got takes flying around left, right, and center. And so it's kind of like, who, who are you going to listen to? Well, the smash except crew, this, uh, the show and, and the condom that we bring is going to be stellar. We, we've actually been bringing it for a while now. Go check out some of our stuff, but we'd love to help you. That's kind of why we're here is to build up the community, help out the community. I seem to remember saying last week on the pod not to panic about Jonathan Taylor. And um, here we are. We're already hearing that those injuries to uh, Wentz and the O-line were, uh, could even be back by week one. And so for those that bought in the dip and listened to the show is a good example of how we can really help you out. So yeah, looking forward to the, the show here tonight. Dude, you just dropped in stone cold, John, you had the entrance music, people were hyped. And then you just come in, you're like, dude, don't overreact. And I think that's the biggest thing that I'm taking away recently is people overreacting on Twitter, getting rid of guys as soon as they get injured, you know? And I, I I've answered mm-hmm. over a hundred DMS this week already. And most of them have yeah. been overreaction city, you know? One guy that we, we just absolutely love having on the show. He's the Alec Baldwin, the Steve Steve Martin of the show because he's been on so many times. I'm dating myself because that's SNL, and most of you guys are like, I don't even know who those guys are. He's the host, of the, the, the host of the FF Playmakers, a writer at Yards Per, at Dynasty Mafia, his fifth appearance to the show. You know, and, and we talked about running back tandems, and you guys as co-hosts, you, know, you guys are a split backfield. Tonight, we were supposed to have another guest, but he is the workhorse back. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Workhorse back. That seems uh, seems a little too steep for me. I, oh, I prefer a, like, uh, can I have, if we're going to reference jo- uh, Jonathan Taylor, can I have like Naeem Hines role? Like okay. I can come in at times, but like, All right. can't rely on me. It's not good. <laughs> it might be bad. I love it. So tonight's show is we're going to talk about running back tandems, right? We're getting questions left and right. You guys are doing a great job tagging us in trade questions, you know, putting in hashtag smash accept or, or, you know, tagging myself or Mung or John. I mean, it is blowing up right now. I know, I don't know if you've noticed that Mung, but I mean, the trades, I, I, I feel like my notifications between the three of us are literally, you know, every hour on the hour, there are trades just Top flying it. off the board. But, <laughs> what I want to talk about tonight is these tandems, right? People are saying, what do I do with this guy? What do we do with that guy? And the first team I want to talk about, I'm wearing my Ravens purple. You know, I just came back from Baltimore. Didn't meet either of these guys. Went to the aquarium. But we're looking at J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. So I want to look real close here. Is both guys, if you look at it on you're just the numbers, it's pretty similar, right? Dobbins, 134 carries. Gus, 144 Gus 723, Dobbins 805, Gus six touchdowns, Dobbins nine. Obviously, Dobbins has that high ceiling with six yards per carry and a touchdown in each of the last five games of the season. Uh, Jeremy, this is a question that I'm sure you get a lot too, is like, break this down. I mean, can this be where Dobbins is an RB1 and Gus is a flex? You know, a lot of people are just labeling Gus as a, you know, as a handcuff. And I feel like that is is a little bit disrespectful based off these stats. Yeah, I mean... I can see something similar to a Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Um, the downside is, is that I just don't think that there's enough volume there. I think the talent's the same there almost, you could argue. Um, J.K. Dobbins is very similar to Nick Chubb, both very efficient runners. Um, J.K. Dobbins, I think, is a, possibly a better receiver than Nick Chubb, if you want to argue that route. Um, but the comparison with Dobbins and 
Edwards. I think the label that he's getting as a high end handcuff, which I almost kind of give him the same. I know it's kind of like a little disrespect, but I just feel like there's not enough of a passing volume for two of them to be consistently effective. Do you know what I mean? They both would have to be absurdly very good, like efficiency along with them scoring like both at least a touchdown every other game all season. And I think that's just going to be too much for this offense. Um, I think that J.K. Dobbins definitely could get to an RB1, like low end. I mean, you're not going to see him get into the top 10. I think he could sneak in at like 12, uh, possibly 11. Uh, But I just think that it's going to, again, come down to like his last five-game stretch there. If you look at his last five-game stretch as fantasy relevant, I mean, he was 16.6 points per game in PPR leagues. So if he can maintain that, if he continues that role and Gus Edwards in that same time span only averaged 11 per game, which is still kind of viable. Um, but I think you could see maybe they both be useful, but I really think it's JK Dobbins show personally. I think they want to get him involved. And I think Gus Edwards is going to be, unfortunately, like you said, it's a disrespect, but I really just think he's going to be a high end handcuff until something happens to Dobbins. I think you make a a lot of great points there. I mean, we're looking at 27 receptions between the two. So the passing volume isn't there for for what Kareem Hunt usually does. There's a lot more receptions. You look at it almost like similar – they're not similar type players, but they're using them similar, similar type usage. John, you and I talked a lot last year of just free J.K. Dobbins, right? We're like, let him loose. You know, the dude's getting six carries for 72 yards, nine carries for a buck 18. You're like, just unleash him. Let him – let it happen, you know? What, what do you think the sky is for J.K. Dobbins this year, and is this the year that it happens? Yeah, we were definitely hyping J.K. Dobbins. This guy has talent off the charts, and he landed in a perfect system for him, and they we know they're going to pound the ball. Now, I know that, that Mung is a, is a Gus bus guy, and I, I do think that for sure, look, they signed him again for a reason. He's going to get some carries. To Jeremy's point, the workload may not be there, but remember Dobbins was m- one of the most efficient runners in the league, and he he really does have the breakaway capability as well. He had some big, big plays. I think he gets more work this year, and I think that he will for sure top the numbers from last year. I could see him well over 1,000 yards, 8 to 10 touchdowns. He'll get some receiving work. They have said that they want to start mixing him in more in the receiving game, so what does that mean? I think you could potentially see him get into like the RB 10 range if they really decide they want to feature him there. And um, he's currently going as like the RB 16, 17 range. So I think that Dobbins is still currently a value. And if you decide not to go running back early in your drafts, he should be a guy you're absolutely targeting in, in that range, in my opinion, in terms of upside. Yeah, and I've been telling people that when they're doing their super flex startups, they're like, yo, I took quarterback, quarterback. Who am I targeting here in, in round three? And if, if yep. Dobbins is there, he's one of those guys. Uh, Mung, you have really turned me on to Gus Edwards. I didn't. I, I wanted to make sure I put the Gus Edwards part there at the end. You know, we were talking all that weird stuff about that in the beginning. But Gus Edwards, I mean, if you're taking Dobbins in the third, you can get Gus Edwards in the 12th. And we're looking at a guy where if we're looking at those numbers pretty similarly – this guy has back end RB one potential if somebody goes down. If not, you know, mid RB two potentially RB one if we get that injury, and you can still buy him for a late second. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens kind of showed their intentions by signing into a two year nine million dollar extension. That's not you know veteran minimum type of money. That's 
pretty decent money for a running back. And I think they've shown us that they want to run a committee, which is one of the reasons that I'm probably out on J.K. Dobbins this year at his current ADP. Um, I think he can be a fine mid to back end RB2. I just don't know that he has that top 10 ceiling that we want from some of those running backs in a similar range. Uh, you know, after they phased out Mark Ingram last year, uh, Dobbins averaged 12.1 carries per game. Gus Edwards averaged 9.7 carries per game. In the red zone, Dobbins saw 22 red zone carries compared to 23 for Edwards. So even if we're assuming that in year two, Dobbins' role is going to grow a little bit, I don't know that his ceiling is very high as long as Edwards is there healthy as well. And it just makes very little sense to me that Dobbins is being drafted, you know, as a mid-range RB2 when he finished the last, the second half of last year as the RB19. And Edwards is being drafted like as an RB4 when he finishes the RB20, one spot behind Dobbins from weeks 8 to 16. So I think Edwards is a huge value. We get excited with the sexy new piece. I mean, we talked about this last week with Amari Cooper versus CeeDee Lamb. You know, it's not even close in their value, but Amari Cooper is going to put up some great numbers. Um, To your point, the Ravens named them co-starters today. You know, I'm just hooked on watching, you know, NFL camp stuff on on YouTube TV. It has just been awesome. But, yeah, they they named them co-starters. So, I mean, they're going to split some work here. Um, John, I'm going to come back to you on this because let's just say they each get you know, a little bit of bump up, you know, 10% where they both get 150, 160 carries. Dobbins has the potential to go from 18 receptions. Now we move that up to 40 receptions. And that's, that's where I think the difference is made, right? I think Gus isn't going anywhere, but if Dobbins can up it a little bit in the passing game, that's where, that's where the allure really is. Yeah. I do think that Dobbins has the skill set that they, that they need and they, they do want to, be a little bit less predictable and work him into some open space. If he got 40 catches, that would be really, really good for his value. I do think that's part of the skill set that he has an advantage over Gus Edwards. So that's definitely something that you could consider, but I'm, I'm with Mung on this. Gus Edwards looks like a tremendous value and it would make a lot of sense to me. If you did decide to go with JK Dobbins, go ahead and pick up Gus Edwards and it, throw them into flex and you're getting the benefit of one of the highest rushing attacks in the league. And if let's say Gus Edwards does end up getting a lot of those red zone carries this year, uh, then you've really protected your pick with JK Dobbins and you can do that relatively cheap. So that's something to consider. And we don't, we don't talk about handcuffing a lot. You know, we talk about these running back tandems and if, if you're in a redraft league, I think this is a must that you have to take Gus Edwards when you take J.K. Dobbins. Not for the handcuff ability, but for the fact that you still have a back-end flex starter You know, if you that could potentially put up 10 touchdowns. I would not be shocked if Gus Edwards had 10 touchdowns and they kind of – Lamar Jackson doesn't quite get as many carries in there. And that's really, Jeremy, why the, the carries are down and suppressing both the values is how much Lamar Jackson is still running the football. Yeah, I mean, that's always the threat there, and I think that's what takes off of really – the push for JK Dobbins, even that or Gus Edwards, like everybody still assumes Lamar Jackson's like RB one there, which you could argue he really kind of is. Um, But you never know. They could kind of pull him back aside from him just scrambling, but there might be less designed runs to kind of maybe protect him quote unquote, Um, especially because I do think they like both these running backs. Um, I think there's just a little bit of an uptick there from both of them as in Mark Ingram's gone and I don't see justice Hill pushing him. I think that it's just going to be these two and you're going to get a little bump for each. And 
I just, I personally think that J.K. Dobbins is just too talented for them to, I mean, Gus Edwards is good. I just still think that J.K. is going to kind of start to run away with it a little bit. Um, but hey, That's great coverage on the Ravens, guys. I mean, yeah, that's that's some fantastic stuff you can take to the bank. Let's let's talk about value a little bit here. I mean, are, are we looking at, you know, J.K. Dobbins is a guy that, you know, you're going for two firsts. Edwards, are we comfortable giving a, a second-round pick? especially as a J.K. Dobbins owner, we'll start with you, John. I mean, if you were the J.K. Dobbins owner, you're a contender. Is this the type of thing where you give that late second and get it done? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And you, you do need to make sure that you have good depth at running back. I like to play that way, especially in a re- redraft. Make sure you have plenty of good upside running back options. We know these guys are going to get hurt. We're already season, seeing injuries in the – preseason with as much as Baltimore want, wants to run the ball. I think that's why they signed Gus Edwards because they, yeah. they know they can't give everything to Dobbins as much as they're going to feature the running back in their system. So yeah, send a second, pick up Gus Edwards, pick up another option. And then the, the upside, as you said, is huge. And that, again, that's what you want when you're, when the draft is kind of moving along and you're trying to fill up your roster, go for upside and, and Gus Edwards presents that type of upside. Yeah, and before we move on to our next backfield, Mung, I know this is something we've tried to talk about with some strategies and things like that. This is the time of year I get hundreds of questions, people saying, should I trade my late first for a depth running back, you know, and not a starter, but a depth. And, and John, I think you brought this up a couple of weeks ago. Hold on to that first round pick because that's some capital you need to buy a Chris Carson midseason. But if right. you look on, I have 15 rosters. I have zero second round picks next year because you guys know that I plan to win. And as that second round pick yeah, right now, it's right now it's a second by midweek, by mid season, that is a late second and it is going to be a late second. So that's why sometimes I advocate guys trying to use that second round pick and a toss in to get one of those guys. Is that something that you've ever, you know, moved around or at this time of year? I know you're getting a lot of the same questions. Should I move this first round pick for my RB five in Chris Carson? And to me, I'm like, no, that partic- that pick can go down. He didn't like it. Sorry, I was having some <laughs> issues here. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a late second is a steal for Gus Edwards because, like I said, I don't see Dobbins necessarily seeing his role increase to a workhorse status. Uh, this is going to be a committee regardless, and – there's a non-zero chance that both of these guys could finish as back-end RB2s with similar production this year. Um, but one's going to cost you an early first, and one's going to cost you a late second. So the risk-reward is vastly different between these two running backs in my eyes. Yeah. And now, Can Jeremy, I jump in quick? Oh, absolutely. Because I can say I actually did that. I have a team that last year was a contender, and I plan to contend this year in Dynasty. The guy who owned Gus Edward reached out and said, Hot, would you give me your second next year? Because I own J.K. Dobbins. And I was like, yeah. You know I mean, I didn't even have to think about it, really. Yeah. Like, it just it makes sense. Boom. Because like you guys said, he's possibly you could be a flex guy or you're covering that. I mean, to me, I'd rather have Gus Edwards protecting J.K. Dobbins than I would Alexander Mattinson covering Delvin Cook. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like that handcuff there, he he's yeah. a much better handcuff than what Madison is. Madison just gets the volume. You know what I mean? So there you go. I, I think it's worth it. Yeah, for Hands sure. Down. 
Moving and, and you you had a great point, Jeremy. You said that people look at Lamar Jackson as the RB1. Let's move to Buffalo, where everybody knows Josh Allen's the RB1. But my man got paid. You know, we both love the Bills. We paid. both love Josh Allen. He got paid big time. So that $250 million investment, are you letting him be the RB1? I mean, you know, aside from the fact that Moss got injured a little bit today, being the Bills fan, talk to me a little bit about Zach Moss versus Singletary. And then I kind of I've been trying to scoop up everywhere a dark horse Matt Breida. You know I feel like I know he's made of paper mache. He he'll get injured on his third carry, but those first two carries are going to be electric, and you might get some value out of him. Yeah, I mean Brett, Matt Breida is definitely a a real sneaky type play, um, especially even in dynasty or redraft. I mean he might not see the field. Um, but he definitely could because he brings something that both of these guys don't have. He's definitely more electric, like you alluded to, um, where Moss and Singletary kind of don't have that. Singletary's got the shiftiness, but he doesn't have that speed where Matt Brady is going to bring that speed. Um, but for me, I think that they can't let Josh Allen not do that, and that's where I get worried with this backfield is I just don't think that they're not going to get touchdowns. So you didn't pay him $250 million because he's – the best passer in the NFL. You paid him $250 million because he wins games and he's a playmaker and he does that with his legs and his arms. So for me, I think they want to kind of limit it a little bit because they don't want him obviously to get hurt, which is always a concern, but they still want to use him in the run game. And at the, uh, I mean, he's 6'5", 240. I mean, they're going to use him in the red zone. That's It's just another advantage. You know what I mean? You set four guys wide with a running back and him, you got who are you covering? You know what I mean? There's too many options there. There's not enough linebackers, not enough DBs. And that's so, why they run the most four wide out sets. I mean, exactly. they, they spread it out there and they get it done. And and their offensive coordinator has been brilliant with it. Uh, John, you know, I, I'm completely out on Devin Singletary. I mean, 98th when it comes to pro football focus rated running back last year. And he was a starter. 98th, you know, Zach Moss intrigues me a little bit. You know, I was there was some serious buzz around Zach Moss. Similar type thing where I'm thinking maybe you throw out a late second for a guy like Zach Moss and he might hit. Both guys in college were very elusive as far as breaking tackles. They don't have that home run speed, but very similar type running backs. Are you buying anything in Buffalo this year? I'm really not, but I have to say, just looking at these current ADPs, Zach Moss is RB35. It's kind of like, hmm, okay. I, I could see some return there. You have to remember that these rookie running backs are not going to necessarily just – completely blow up on the scene. There's a lot they have to figure out ranging from pass protection, being able to pick up the blitz is huge. And we just got through talking about how much they just paid Josh Allen, learning the system, learning routes in many cases, and having a real off season now for Zach Moss, you can kind of start telling yourself a narrative that this guy could become the goal line guy there and become more of a featured back in the bills offense. But I, I still think there's a ton of risk. I think that it's going to be a, a passing-oriented offense with Josh Allen calling his own number, including in the red zone. And so I'm with everything that's been said so far. I'm not really excited about having those guys. But if that ADP gets any lower, I mean, it's pretty cheap to kind of go ahead and pick up Zach Moss if you can. The deals that I've been trying to do is where I'm close on a deal and I know that they have Zach Moss. Sometimes when I really want a player off someone's roster – I don't start with that guy, right? Like if you start going after, right. I talked about this last year when I wanted Mike Davis, you know, when McCaffrey mm -hmm. was playing, I was like, you don't go to that guy and say, Hey, I want Mike Davis. You try to plan something in there where you can say, Hey, why don't you throw in Mike Davis? You know? And, and I have Mike Davis. I traded for him in over 10 leagues. 
I just got him for nothing. You know, That's he was just smart. thrown in. I think Moss is a guy where we're just like, hey, you toss in Moss, and they're like, no. Then they're like, what if I throw in my third? Late third, you get Moss thrown in there. It's an added opportunity, and you got to have those running backs. You want a stable, and you want a bunch of you know guys that could potentially hit as lottery right tickets. Uh, Mung, are these like almost already scratched lottery tickets, or do you think these lottery tickets have a shot? You know, my grandma used to let me scratch off all mine. She was totally into the lottery. Sometimes she'd scratch them off and couldn't read them, and I I might find a winner every now and then. <laughs> Is Zach Moss or Devin Singletary one of those lottery tickets you get from grandma? I think you're you're basically picking this up off the sidewalk here. Um, <laughs> I, like like Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen is somewhat the de facto RB1 on this team. And the big difference here is that the Bills threw the ball a lot more than the Ravens did last year. Yeah. Um, so the volume isn't quite going to be there for these two guys. Uh, personally, I'm out on Brita, but just talking about Moss and Singletary, those two as the starters, it's really hard to love them because one, the offensive line isn't quite as good for the bills. Um, that's a detracting factor. And then two, the volume here, Baltimore has been the most run heavy team in the league. So even if they start passing more with Rashad Bateman, uh, Marquise Brown, Sammy Watkins, who, by the way, they have two injured wide receivers right now. So they might be even more run heavy, despite them saying that they want to pass the ball more to start the season. You can see it. It's Sammy so Watkins wide receiver one season. <laughs> yeah, for week one, mm. week one, he should be definitely on those DFS rosters. Yep. Nice, uh, yeah. Sean Jackson. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'd rather pay a late second for Gus Edwards than an early mid-second for Zach Moss, despite Moss being the quote-unquote starter in Buffalo. I love it. Sticking with this theme here of running quarterbacks, you know, the Eagles – Let's, let's move on to the Eagles. Miles Sanders was you know, riding high where people were taking him in the second round of startups, maybe third round. And then Carrion Johnson comes over, big deal. But newcomer Kenny Gainwell is really getting some traction. You know, I have guys asking me, I had a guy ask me yesterday, if you're drafting today, would you take Mike Davis, Kenny Gainwell, or Raheem Mostert? And I'm like, well, I'm still taking Mike Davis because I don't feel like any of those guys are long-term options. You know, sometimes we look at running backs – and you got to look at it. You know, we talk about a guy like Christian McCaffrey in a two to three year window, but obviously it's more like four, five, six. But when we're talking about a guy like Kenny Gainwell, we're talking about Mike Davis, we're talking, the window is a short period of time. You know, Gainwell's a little bit on the smaller side. Mung, we're going to start with you this time. Is this Miles Sanders' backfield to lose, or do we really feel like Kenny Gainwell is going to start eating into some of these carries? Well, I think the answer starts with Nick Sirianni, who came over from the Colts. Last year, we wanted to feed Jonathan Taylor. That's all the entire Dynasty community wanted. But we saw a heavy dosage of Naeem Hines and even Marlon Mack prior to his injury. Um, they The new regime came in and decided to draft Kenny Gainwell. They still have Boston Scott, who apparently is getting some first-team reps as well. I think this is going to be a committee like Sirianni used in Indianapolis. And for that reason, I'm, I'm out on Miles Sanders as well. I, I guess I'm just raining on all the parades on today's podcast. Um, but a, a lot of these quote-unquote starting running backs, I would rather have the number two in that backfield for a fraction of the cost. All right. I'm going to switch it over to Jeremy. Jeremy, I'm, I'm an Eagles guy too. I'm, I'm a Miles Sanders fan because when the guy gets touches, he, he produces. I mean, he is a home run threat. Every time he touches the ball, are you worried or is, is, is Miles Sanders becoming a little bit more of a value here? 
I'm not worried. I, I think he is definitely a decent value slash perfectly priced. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. I mean, at least in sure, ADP. Yeah. I don't know like the, the trade market. I don't know exactly what people are getting for him at the current moment. But think about it. In 2019, he was RB13 when he played 15 of the 16 games that you usually look at. Last year, he was 22, and he only played 12 games. He's like you said, he's got all the talent in the world. There's nothing not to like about him except for he had one season where he played 12 games and all of a sudden everybody hates Miles Sanders. It's amazing what injuries do because people just kind of overreact, I think. I think Miles Sanders definitely has high upside. Um, but like Mung had alluded to, it's going to be how does Sirianni use him? So if I own Miles Sanders, I'm definitely holding. I'm not looking to move him unless somebody wows me with an offer on the basis that I still think he could be kind of like a workhorse. Gainwell's only going to get that Naeem Hines role max. You know what I mean? He's not going to get that workhorse role like you'd alluded to. He's a little smaller. Um, He did bulk up and he got close to that wanted weight for like a true three down back. But I still think he's going to be like a Naeem Hines role. Carry on Johnson doesn't scare me. Boston Scott doesn't scare me. And Jordan Howard, I think, is there too. He doesn't scare me. So I like Sanders, um, but... John, he threw out the word yeah. slash, and it makes me always think of the the movie Zoolander when when Fabio wins the award and he's the best actor slash model and not the other way around. <laughs> so is 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 Miles Sanders the best running back here, or is it the other way around? Well, look, I, I think it's for sure going to be a committee in Philly. That that is, I'm convinced of it. And I, while I was well, listening to you guys, I even looked up some of this. So through the first seven practices, Miles Sanders had 35 total touches. Boston Scott had 29 total touches. We're talking about, we're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. <laughs> Not a game. Not a game. But it, it, even in the 11 on 11, I mean, Boston Scott's getting worked in. And apparently Kenny Gainwell has been the kind of the pass catching back. That's the role that he's going to play. I'm convinced. And so I think he's going to be somewhat limited. And so I, I'm, I'm pretty out on Kenny Gainwell. Even in Dynasty, I'm not super excited. But I, you know, I, I just think that Boston Scott's going to have a bigger role than anyone would hope for Miles Sanders. I'm thinking he's kind of in the value territory, but I think his upside could be a little capped. Philly's also not going to run the ball as much as Baltimore. So I, I worry about the overall workload for Miles Sanders. Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell are going as RB9, RB59 and 60 right now. So they're they're – pretty much free. And so I, you know, I actually do have Boston Scott stashed on a couple rosters. And I think that's kind of interesting. And by the way, Boston Scott, go check this guy out. He's five foot six, 200. And he's been posing as the security guard during the press interviews for some of the <laughs> big players on the, on the Eagles. Yeah. It's truly entertaining. Go check that out. I love it. Hey, speaking of entertaining, we have a, a trade involving Miles Sanders from Do or Die Dynasty. Great podcast. They have Miles Sanders in the 2023 first or Najee Harris. Now, you guys know I love Najee Harris, so I can't even answer this without just oozing about Najee Harris like I always do. But, Mung, are you taking Miles Sanders in that 2023 first? You know, and this is a two quarterback, 10 team league. So we're looking at two quarterback, 10 team. So obviously, it's a super flex that's going to increase that value here. I've been all about Najee. You were not very big on Miles, but is this a value here? 
I don't think it's terrible if you're rebuilding, but uh, Harris, we know for a fact, even if we have concerns about Pittsburgh's offensive line, we know he's the projected workhorse. I mean, they used him like that even in a preseason game. So uh, if, if that if <laughs> that shows their 17 carries, man. That's nuts. Yeah, like, Love it. And especially in a 10-team league, yes, that first-round pick is going to be higher because it's top 10 for sure. Superflex increases that value as well. But 10 teams, you also want those elite players, and Harris has a chance to be that as a true workhorse, whereas Sanders is not, in my opinion. I feel like every single one, you and I get tagged on that, and it's a 10-team. We say that almost every single time. It's about them studs. You know, it's a 10-team league. All in I had, baby. I had, we have one here in an 8-team league, very similar, that we're going to go over, and it's like, it's an 8-team league, 10-team league. you got to get them studs to separate yourself. John, are you taking Sanders in that 23 first, or are you going with Najee? I'm going with Najee. And, I mean, we're going to talk about a lot of running back condoms tonight, and – None of everybody in the NFL is running these committees, except for a couple of scenarios. And Najee is stepping into potential workhorse scenario. You could only rattle off four or five other guys that will likely get that type of workload. And so that's what you want. He has yeah. the talent, he's got the pedigree, and he's going to get the workload. Those are the types of guys that will help you win leagues. So I'm taking Najee in that particular deal. John, we're, we're teetering on a PG-13 rating today, but one one song that keeps playing in my head with Najee Harris is from, from Fat Joe. What's love got to do with a little menage? You know, you got to have Najee Harris on all those teams. Jeffrey, bring it home. Tell me it's also Najee Harris for you. Jeffrey, it's Jeremy, but you know. <laughs> Jeffrey, I'm like, yo, this is water, I promise. Jeremy, uh-huh, that's got to be your... That's ever clear. Don't lie. It is, it is. But... I got too many pop culture references going right. and I'm forgetting people's names, you know. So it's all right. It. You can call me whatever you want. I'll live with it. Um, you can call me Je- Jeff's yeah. a good name. You can call me Jeffrey from now on. This will just be like the thing. And My for fear of getting for fear of getting kicked off, I'm gonna go with Nashi Harris too. Um nice. no, in all generality. I like I think it's pretty fair, like Mungan said. I think it's it's fair value, Sanders. Has some decent upside. He's still fairly young, and you're getting a first, which is nice to rebuild with. Um, but Najee's definitely going to get that workhorse role, like John had said, and there's not many that you can really mention that about anymore. So I'm all in for the Najee trade there. Like it. Let's move over to like a much sexier backfield. Let's talk about the Broncos, right? So Melvin Gordon, everybody's thinking this is going to be, you know, he had a, a solid showing last year. He's going to be a, a cheap, you know, RB two. And then they go and they, they draft Javante Williams. You know, when everybody was like that, that stretch there, it was like the Jets, multiple teams passed on him. John, I know you and I were on that podcast when he got drafted and it was like, he's definitely going to the Jets here. He's definitely going to this team. Javante goes to the Broncos. How do you see this backfield shaking out? I mean, is this a 50-50 or is this one where it's like Javante Williams is just too talented to hold back? I love Javante and I, I'm definitely going to pump him, but I know Pope's over here is going to actually one-up me because he had him as the rookie RB1. Um, I have him as the rookie RB2 just behind Menage to your, your earlier reference. <laughs> and I, I really think that he has the potential to be just a fantastic running back. He's got all the skill set that you'd love to see. I, I know that they are paying Melvin Gordon, and so it may take a little bit of patience in Dynasty, but I mean, there's even rumors that they could part ways with Gordon in that contract sooner than later. But regardless, in Dynasty, I love Javante. 
in redraft, I still think he's a smart buy. He's going as the RB26 right now. And you could easily convince yourself that he's going to get into RB2 territory. And so I, I like the overall skill set, the ability to run between the tackles, red zone capability, good size, speed. He uh, is a great pass catcher as well. And so he has a great all-around skill set. Ultimately, this is another committee, but Javante is, is certainly the talent that's going to get worked in more and more. And I see, especially down the stretch as you get into the fantasy football playoffs, Javante becoming a big thing and going into drafts next year, he's going to be pretty serious value in my mind. So I'm popping this up here from Rookie Fever Podcast. Another great podcast. Go check him out. Jeremy, not Jeff. <laughs> we have Travis Etienne and Javante Williams. Now, where do you have these guys? If you're drafting today, is this closer than when it was You know, in, in May? Or where are you looking at these two running backs before we break down what's going on, obviously, in, in Denver? I mean, if it's Dynasty, I'm all in on Javante, and it's not any different than it was in May. Um, redraft, I still feel like I'm probably taking Javante, but it might be a little bit closer. Um, the big thing for me with Dynasty is that Javante's two years younger than both of these other guys. Yes. So that's where he gets that big bump for me. Um, but I like both of them. Uh, but I just like Javante Williams a lot much. Oh, uh, I was about to say a lot much, but a lot better. Um, I think that everything that John had alluded to, he's a very good inside the tackle runner. He has good vision. He can get outside. He's not a home run run hitter. He doesn't have that speed, but he's effective to me. I'm going to make this co- comparison that Javante Williams this year is going to be what JK Dobbins was last year. It's going to take some time. Like John had said, like but mid-season, he's going to possibly be a quote-unquote league winner because he could take over that role from Melvin Gordon. We saw it last year, and some of the beat reporters, if you follow anybody in Denver, had alluded to that Gordon struggled last year with having to compete with Philip Lindsay. He doesn't necessarily do well with a competition, and there's a rumor that he's not handling the Javante Williams thing that much better this year. Um, So you could see Javante Williams take over sooner than we think. And I think the biggest thing that pushes Javante Williams ahead of these guys too, is that he's a very, very good pass blocker. That's going to get him on the field. Do you know what I mean? Yes. He's a good pass catcher, just like Travis Etienne and just like Najee Harris, but he pass blocks better than both of them. So they're going to trust him to be back there more so possibly than the other two. Um, So for me, I'm all in on Javante Williams last year. Melvin Gordon was an RB 18 with Philip Lindsay getting some work. So, I think either one of these guys could finish, like you had mentioned, low-end RB2s, um, possibly mid, depending on if one of them kind of gets more of that work all season. So it's just going to be a matter of when. Do you know what I mean for Javante, in my opinion? Yeah. Among, Melvin Gordon's always been a volume guy, right? I mean, he needed 18-plus carries when he was with the Chargers. I mean, he had to have that. Last year, he didn't get that very often. And that's why he finished you know, in that RB18 range instead of an RB1 like we were used to because of all that volume. Now we're going to be splitting carries. I mean, what do we do with Melvin Gordon? You know, I mean, you, you can't sell him, right? What are you going to get? What kind of what kind of moves are you making? He might be a value at this point uh, because more and more I'm convinced that there might be a chance that both of these Broncos running backs could finish as RB3s or flex plays. Uh, and to that end, or I guess the, the reason for that is because when you look at Vic Fangio's defense and the pieces that they acquired this offseason, this could be an elite top five defense. And as a Chicago and back in the days of John Fox and Vic Fangio in Chicago with a very iffy and inconsistent quarterback in Mitch Trubisky, 
They elected to run the ball a lot, and they're okay winning these 20 to 13 dirty, low-scoring type of games where it was just a lot of slugging back and forth. And that's a, a distinct possibility for the 2021 Broncos with a, a quarterback that, again, is inconsistent and, quite frankly, you just don't want him to turn the ball over and Drew Locke. So at that point, I do think we could see plenty of both Gordon and Williams. So mm-hmm. if people are really down on Gordon and Dynasty, you know, take it, take a shot on him. Maybe you can even get him for an early third at this point, considering how high the hype has gone on Javante Williams. I love it. I love it. It's kind of in that Gus Edwards range of what we were talking about. You know, you could end up getting some decent value. Uh, let's move over to the Jaguars. You know, John, I, I feel like what's, what's going on with James Robinson, Etienne, all the stuff. I mean, is this another opportunity where we have a college coach coming in with Urban Meyer and it, it just seems a little bit confusing or is he a mastermind that's going to be able to use them both? Yeah, I, I got to tell you guys, I am completely off ETN and in redraft at this point. I, I'm very concerned about what Urban Meyer is going to come in and do and establish his system. We're already hearing a ton about James Robinson basically getting most of the work on the ground and to be the first guy out there with the first team offense. And from day one, Urban Meyer said what he was going to do, and they want to work ETN as a pass catcher. And mm-hmm. that's essentially what he's been doing from from then on. And so, right. yeah, he, he's got the talent. I love ETN in terms of his, his overall talent. He does have breakaway speed, great agility, great balance. But I just don't think in the near term he's going to get uh, the, the work that's going to be needed to pay off his price tag, which is – currently uh, going as early as like RB, let's see, 20 range uh, right now. And so that's just too pricey for me. I don't think, I think there's a risk that Urban Meyer may play James Robinson at the goal line as well. And so in order for ETN to get touchdowns, he's going to have to break one. And so we know that's not going to be super common. Uh, You know, he could get worked in more and more, but this looks like a committee that could be led by James Robinson with ETN playing the pass catching role. The one caveat I will say is like, if you're in PPR, every reception is worth a lot more than in a carry. And mm-hmm. so I think you definitely got to consider that in my PPR leagues, I might consider him if he drops a little bit lower, but right now I'm off of ETN and I'm still, I'm considering James Robinson as a potential value. He's going as a, a late RB three right now. And we all, we all saw what he did last year. So you got to give the guy a little bit of faith that he could potentially uh, put up some points again. I like that, John, Jeremy, you and I are both in the UDPL two, And last year, you know, I, I lost Joe Mixon ended up trading for James Robinson in a second. Cause I was, you know, believing in James Robinson at that time and needed a running back and nobody would trade with me with dynasty builders. Another great podcast for you guys to check out. Do you believe in James Robinson? I mean, the talent, he looked great on the field last year. Is this someone that we're, we've tried to write off a little bit too soon? I feel like the correct answer to this is yes. Um, <laughs> I kind of led you that way. You know, sometimes I leave well, open-ended. And this one, I was like, here, take this. Just I'm just, I'm just so, I don't know. I'm kind of with John. <laughs> like, I don't know if Urban Meyer knows what he's doing yet. Um, yeah. I don't know what this offense is going to look like. Um, ETN as a pass catcher is great for PPR. If he's on the field, like every down, like, is he playing the slot? Is he, or is he just going out there when they're going to throw the ball on like third down 
You know what I mean? Well, Third, if, if second, and long. You know, like yeah, what's his Myers, actual usage? If you he's know, smart, he's going to use Lavisca Chenault more in those areas. You know, like he drafted, yeah, like he drafted Etienne and tried to turn him into what everybody thinks Lavisca Chenault should be, and that's a better version of Debo Samuel. Like, let him get the ball behind the line, point. manufacture yeah. some touches, For and sure. now we we got this awkward situation here. Yeah, and I mean, if if J Rob is the main running back and he's going to see the groundwork. I'm still in on him. I think that too many people are out on him that you can get him fairly cheap. And I think that, I mean, he was the RB four last year, not by mistake. I mean, no matter what, even with the volume, it takes talent to get that high. And I mean, he was efficient and I just, I feel like people gave up real quick. And if you can capitalize on that and right now, I don't even know what his ADP is, but I in redraft, at least it can't be super high. Right. Anybody know? Well, that's uh, what, that's what 40, John he's 21 and fantasy pros. Yeah, and, and, and Robin's, J-Rob's going as like RB 32, 33 range right now. So yeah. he's clearly a much, much cheaper back in yeah. redraft. For me, well, it, it, when they're looking like this, like to me, I think J-Rob has a better chance of being a workhorse than ETN would. So I'm going to take that value. You know what I mean? Like I'm looking yeah. for, like that's what the Bills, like I'd rather have Zach Moss because I think he can, he is more of a workhorse style built back than Devin Singletary. You know what I mean? So like for me, that's where I, I think I'd stay with Jay Robin. I, I like Etienne. He's shiny. He's fancy. He's definitely good. He has the talent. It's just, I don't know what Urban Meyer wants to do with yeah, him. Yeah, just so. super risky. Yeah, I mean, with with Melvin Gordon, with uh, Gus Edwards, with James Robinson, we're finding out the main, it's always expensive, but the sides, sometimes you can get them much cheaper. Mung, let's move on to your your squad, right? It's mandatory 49er talk. Mostert and Sermon, yes. you know, I'm starting to see, you know, like I, I saw a trade today. Dynasty trade, Trey Sermon for Chris Carson. Obviously nothing listed in there, split 50-50. Trey Sermon, a lot of guys believe that he's that league winning type thing. Like we've talked, we use that term a lot, but like with Javante Williams and ETN and I mean, maybe Sermon's that guy, but I don't think we can completely write out Raheem Mostert. He will get injured at some point. We all know that, but he's going to be the starter until that happens, you know, and we know he won't make it more than like six or seven games, but Mostert, really had a solid season two years ago and he was having some of that promise this past year. How do you see it shaking out, Mung? Yeah, we're hearing really good things about Trey Sermon out of training camp. I do think that he is the quote unquote co-starter uh, starting the season alongside Raheem Mostert. Um, as many project, I agree that I do think Sermon is better fitted for that goal line role. And a lot of the touchdown upside, I think is going to go towards Sermon whereas Mostert uh, is probably going to be used for that speed between the 20s. And then also, I think, projects a little bit better as a receiver. Um, so I do think, you know, for redraft purposes, at least, I would rather have Trey Sermon over both Travis Etienne and Javante Williams. Uh, and then a quick little nugget, I'll give a, a sneak preview for one of the guys in my running back sleepers articles. Um, we've been hearing great things about Trey Sermon out of camp. But here's a quote from um, one of the Niners beat reports. As well as Sermon has played, Elijah Mitchell has played even better. He is currently the second best running back uh, on the team after Mostert. All of Mitchell's runs gain big yards. So if you don't believe that Raheem Mostert can stay healthy, I think Elijah Mitchell is one of the most forgotten rookies right now. Um, he, has a, he has a chance to step into that number two role and we know that Trey Sermon struggled with injuries throughout high school and college as well. So you have two paths to relevance for Elijah Mitchell. 
Uh, so I think he's being a little forgotten as well. I like that a lot. John, we got a trade sent in here from, I believe it's Philip Litt. Uh, he sent in, so let's just call this a contender, John, you know, and let's say it's a contender and you have Trey Sermon. Are you willing to give up Trey Sermon to get Chris Carson to win that title? Or do we wait here a little bit? You know, I feel like this one has a, a couple levels we got to kind of dissect. Yeah, for sure. This is a really tough trade and it absolutely comes down to what your strategy is. And if you're really pushing all in and you need to win this year, then I actually think you need Chris Carson in that scenario. But in general, I have in Dynasty, I, I have Sermon moved above Chris Carson. And I think that the long-term potential for him certainly outweighs what you're going to get left out of Chris Carson. But look, Seattle is in love with Chris Carson. They really trust him. He's going to get a ton of work. If he can stay on the field, and that will be the challenge with him, he could absolutely put RB1 numbers up this year. And so that's what you really got to factor in if you are competing and really want to try to win this year. Uh, Trey Sermon, I think, is more of a flex for this year. I'm, I'm completely with Monk. This is a, a full-blown committee, and we're going to see them all flash at times. Raheem Mostert does have that top-end speed. In fact, he was clocked with the two fastest on-field times in the NFL last season. Wow. So he, you know, they're going to want to utilize that speed in the Shanahan offense. And and look, I like Elijah Mitchell too. I like all these guys. If you go back to 2019 Super Bowl year, the 49ers damn near ran the ball 500 times. Yeah. So that kind of even distributed workload is pretty attractive. And so I, I, I like kind of all these guys, depending on value right now, Trey Sermon is actually going first at like RB 27. Then you got most at RB 31. And then Elijah Mitchell, Monk's point, is just buried right now and is a nice stash. So I like all those guys. Coming back to the trade, uh, you know, if if you are looking more in kind of out a couple of years, then I for sure want Trey Sermon in that scenario. See, what I try to – and I did answer this question. I said, listen, you know, if, if Chris Carson's going to be your RB2, then you do it. If Chris Carson is your flex or your second flex or a just an insurance policy – wait and see what happens with Trey Sermon. You know, like I would feel horrible in this type of situation where you go ahead and you trade Trey Sermon for Chris Carson. Chris Carson goes down for injury and that was your security move. You know, like don't do those security moves now. If you need him for your RB2 and get you those wins, I can see it. Jeremy, what do you see from this situation? Like this is one of the most perplexing ones there is. What do you see from this backfield? I think basically everything that Mong and John had said, they kind of just nailed it on the head there for me. It's the same way I'm thinking. But I just have a quick question. We'll make it quick because I know we're, we're cutting on time here. Does it good. affect your guys' opinion on this backfield like it would hypothetically with the Bills if Trey Lance is the starter, who obviously has much more of a rushing upside than Jimmy Garoppolo does? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, What if they use yeah. him more and then he's the goal lineback because he's a very efficient runner, big body, similar to Josh Allen? Does this make this backfield like really messy? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Does that right. change your guys' opinion on any of these guys? Because that's only a matter of time as well. A third overall pick isn't going to sit there probably all year unless they're really winning. So Dude, that's, that's a wonderful point. I mean, because you got to – he's going to run the ball six to eight times a game. You know what I mean? I mean and that was kind of the situation we had with Jalen Hurts, what we talk about with Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Mung, you're our 49er guy, and you're our Trey Lance, you know, enthusiast. If that happens, I mean, are we – should we be moving some of these running backs back down, or is the – 
is it just going to be that much more of an explosive offense? Yeah, I, I don't think so. As long as you're not over projecting for Trey Sermon, because as much as everyone loves him, I, I do think that uh, an RB1 season is outside of his range of outcomes. I think he can be a, a solid RB2 even with Trey Lance, because to your guys' point, the 49ers do like to run. And not only that, they're very efficient with their run game, right? Um, the zone scheme that Shanahan deploys helps these guys. And there's room for 100 carries for Trey Lance. Uh, 200 carries for Trey Sermon, and then another 180, 175, whatever you want to call it, for some combination of Mostert or Elijah Mitchell. So I think the ceiling is capped, like we talked about Baltimore, but the efficiency for both of these ground games. These are two, these are two of the three teams that I would feel comfortable having both running backs in the backfield for. And I think nice. this is why I talked about, I called you Jeffrey earlier, is you can't forget about Jeff Wilson, baby. Jeff Wilson has a game every year, just shows up, right? Like it's always during the fantasy playoffs and you get 25 points out of Jeff Wilson. I love Jeff Wilson. All right. Well, so we're gonna do Jeff Wilson real quick. I'm out on Jeff Wilson because I, I hope, you know, he's a strong, he's a good runner. Uh, it's fun to watch him play. So no offense to him, but the guy tore his meniscus getting out of a chair or something. Like, come on. Like, hey. no. I'm getting up there in age. I'm getting up there in age. That might happen to me. So I mean, I gotta watch it. So the next segment is new. We're excited. It's gonna be called Smash or Crash. So I'm gonna talk to you guys, and I'm gonna give you a player, and I'm gonna give you a projection, and we'll do over under. Over is smash. Under is crash. All right. So we'll start out with the first one. Christian McCaffrey. You know, coming off that big time injury, the obvious redraft 101. Which have we ever seen someone? miss most of a season and then be that 101 in 2019 34 points per game 2020 35 points per game we're going over under 33 points per game we'll start with you john are you smashing or crashing that 33 points per game in full ppr i think it's just about right but i'm going to smash it because I, I love christian mccaffrey let's start off hot here I can I can absolutely see him in this offense putting up over eighteen hundred total yards. Yes. I think he could he could do thirteen, fourteen touchdowns. And so when you actually look at that, yeah, all right. I lost, my, right. I lost my cowbell. Go. We had that other one. Yeah. You know, I'll allow it. No, I love it. I, and I think if you start to do the math on that, you, you're looking at, um, I mean, it could be 80, 90 receptions for this guy. Yeah, I can I can see that kind of points per game and he's just in a tier of his own and in, in redraft in my mind the next question is going to be for you jeremy but does anybody disagree with that one nope pretty I'll close right I, I think he'll i think he'll be the clear you know number one running back still but yeah. they brought in chuba hubbard for a reason they want to protect their investment i could see a slightly lower workload um, but you know still an elite stud all right jeremy here's yours Aaron Jones in 2019 had 19 touchdowns combined. In 2020, he had 11. Now, the crazy thing was Aaron Rodgers threw over 20 red zone touchdowns last year. The over-under on Aaron Jones, now that Aaron Rodgers is back, 15 touchdowns. Smash or crash? Crash. I'm going to say that Amari Rodgers takes a bigger role than we think down in the red zone. Um, I think that... 
I also still like Kylan Hill. I don't know if he'll ever get a usage in there, but he could be, you know, AJ Dillon's there. I think there's a lot of weapons. I think they're going to start to kind of not necessarily key in on say Aaron Jones. You got Robert Tunyon's caught a lot of touchdowns last year. I'm sure he's not going to disappear. Um, so I think 15, like John had said in the other one, kind of close to like what I think he'll have, but I think he's going to be more in that 11, 12 range. I almost so, said it. I almost me. said it at twelve thirteen. Anybody yeah. taking the smash there? I mean, I feel like since I traded for him in Listener League One, I want to believe it's fifteen, but I feel like in that twelve to fifteen range is pretty comfortable. Anybody clear smash on that one? All right, let's move on. Mung, a guy you and I talk about all the time. Twenty nineteen RB four, twenty twenty RB thirteen. Ezekiel Elliott as the RB five this year. Smash or crash? Now, Smash would be, like, top five. Uh, yeah, Smash it. He's my 1.03 in redraft. So I'm, I'm back in on Zeke. Uh, they're getting Dak Prescott back, hopefully healthy, unless we hear anything about the shoulder. Uh, they're getting a lot of offensive linemen back healthy. I'm all in. John, I'm going to ask you something because I, I retweeted a, an article over at Football Guys that Sigmund Bloom did about letting your buddies draft the Cowboys. We've been all in on the Cowboys. And he said, let your buddies take Amari Cooper, Zeke, and Dak, because we saw when Dak, you know, got injured last year, and then we already know he's kind of having some shoulder flare up. Are you all in on the Cowboys? Are you believing that RB6, are you smashing or crashing with Zeke? I have Zeke as my RB6 in redraft, and I am all in on the Cowboys. I, I think that Dak still has the potential to be the QB1 overall. And we've talked a lot about CD on the show and, and Amari. CD has gotten a little bit pricey for me recently. Amari, I think, is a better value. And we talked about how Gallup is a value. But in general, you want a part of a high-profile, high-octane, high-scoring offense in Dallas. And I, I agree with a lot of what Monk said. There's a few guys I'd prefer just over Zeke. And I just get a little worried that he could have worn down, but apparently he's in great shape. He's going to be a feature in that offense. He's going to score a ton of touchdowns. And I got a reference back to our last podcast. You, I'm glad you said Michael Gallup. Among I keep getting Michael Gallup. As soon as we said that last week, he's literally, we're just, everybody's asking, trying to trade out there for Michael Gallup. And I'm still seeing it way too cheap. I'm seeing like I saw Preston Williams in a second. Let's go by Michael Gallup. He's going to be a free agent. They've already said they're not bringing him back. He's got wide receiver two upside for this season. Jeremy, we're going to go over to you. Alvin Kamara in 2019, 1,300 yards. Last year, 1,700 total yards. Over under 16 total yards. 1,616 would be pretty easy. 1,600 total <laughs> yards as the only focal point of this offense. Yeah, I'm going to smash it. Yeah. That's YOLO. Redraft. <laughs> go get him. Yo, that one's definitely going on the headlines. Yep. Smash it, YOLO Alvin Kamara. I like it. Yeah, I mean, you you hit it. There's nothing else there. What are they going to do? You know what I mean? Like, unless Traquan Smith or Marquez Callaway, like, emerge as something crazy, I think Alvin Kamara's in for a lot of work. Christian McCaffrey-type workload, honestly. Callaway is having a nice camp from everything. I mean, I spent 10 fab on him today. I got him in nine other leagues where as soon as the news hit, I was grabbing him. And he sounds like, you know, there's some potential there. So go check your waiver wire. He might still be there. Mung, you know, we we know Alvin Kamara in the past has been a guy. Where do you have him in your redraft rankings? And is 1,600 a smash or a crash? 
Yeah, I mean, I have him at, I think, six, um, six or seven. I've got Aaron Jones, Barkley above him, but I, I don't have any issue with someone who wants to take him in that top three or four with Michael Thomas out. Uh, my biggest concern about Camaro was target volume, uh, whether it was Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. But when I said that, that was a few weeks ago before we knew about the Michael Thomas surgery that's going to keep him out for at least six weeks, it sounds. Uh, we don't know if we'll be 100% coming back from that or at all for this entire season. So I do yeah. think that the Camara reception total, uh, I'm more optimistic about him now than I was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he should stay out longer too with that papyrus font. Nobody likes that. Uh, let's move on to the next one here. Is I'm going to go with you, Mung, since we just went there. Austin Eckler in 2019 had 92 receptions. Everybody in the world loves Austin Eckler on Twitter. Over, under, 100 receptions. If he's healthy, I'll, I'll go with over. Um, we saw Joe Lombardi use Alvin Kamara as a primary receiver, even though they have Keenan Allen and they're talking up Michael or, uh, Mike Williams. Excuse me. Um, I do think that if, if healthy, Eckler is going to see a lot of targets each game. Like it, John. This next one's just for you. You know, we're we're, we're putting it out there. We got a, a question from the at FF Mad Scientist, and uh, this is kind of a two part. So Najee Harris, I have it over under. 299 touches because everybody talks about 300 and let's move on to this question that he posts because basically he's asking and that's at mad scientist ff damian scott awesome guy in the community which of these running backs is most likely to be drafted in the first round in dynasty next year antonio gibson or Najee harris so give me the smasher crash on 299 carries and let's debate this one all right. Yeah. So starting with Najee in the carries, I'm going to say under. I think he will get two, maybe 250 on the ground. I could see 240, 250. And I think that o- he, overall touches, overall touches. Oh, overall touches. That's really close. Really, really close. I'll take the slight under. I was, I was going to project him for like between 40 and 50 catches. It's right on the border. I'll take the under on, on Najee. Um, but again, he is going to get plenty of work. So make no mistake. And Frankly, I could see the community being a bit higher on Najee Harris going into next year. You look at the first round pedigree, the workload, the talent, but I'll stay on brand. Me personally, I'm still going to roll with Antonio Gibson. He would be my preference here straight up between those two. I absolutely love the ceiling of Antonio Gibson, and I think you could argue it's even a little higher than Najee. I think he's going to be better in redraft this year as well. Certainly a top 10 running back in my mind. I think he's going to absolutely get more worked into the passing game. I've talked about him on like every pod. Everyone. I, I, it's so, mandatory. Yeah, mandatory. Sticking with it. I get Harris, you get Gibson, and Mung gets Trey Lance, and we talk about it every time. We try to just I, – I tweak the show sheet a little bit. You know, anyway, we kind of get it that way. I think both of these guys have top 10 running back potential for this year. Yeah, this totally is why this time of year I talk about it. If you are not 100% sure, you know, like you have a decent team, you're in that four to six range, and you have Dalvin Cook, go make the offer for one of these two guys and a first. You know, start getting ahead of the game, get those insulated trades, because I think both of these guys are absolute smashes. Jeremy, if you had to take one that you think will be a first round pick in, in Dynasty next year, which guy is it for you? 
I'm going to say Najee Harris, but I'm going to say it this way. I'm not going to say it's performance-based. I'm going to go with a name basis. Okay. I think more people like Najee Harris because of the pedigree, what he's come out to be, the perceived value. But I feel like everybody always sleeps on Antonio Gibson, yet Antonio Gibson's a better running back. So I like it. I mean, and we got to also look at – Najee's actually older than Antonio Gibson. I mean, he's – About to add that. You know, it's it's just – Don't fool yourself on that one. It's crazy to think that because you just look at, well, he's a rookie, but no, he's actually mm-hmm. older. So I'm going to throw this in here for you, Monk. Antonio Gibson, Najee Harris, or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I'm making yours a little bit more difficult. Oh, man. <laughs> that is really tough. Um, that wasn't for fair. For me, it's Edwards-Hilaire. I know, right? Um, I, that's like me adding my son be like, is it going to be Antonio Gibson, Najee Harris, or Peyton Royer? I'm like, nah, I mean, you know, it's tough. Uh, I mean, there's a case for all three of these guys, right? Let, let's start with Gibson, who I have ranked lowest for redraft purposes, but all within just a couple spots, right? Because um, we know the ceilings there for Gibson. He tested with the wide receivers at the combine, but if you put his metrics in the running back column, He's basically Jonathan Taylor, right? Um, He was learning the running back position last year. They're saying he's being used in two-minute drills at camp. So if he truly does become a three-down back, he could be Christian McCaffrey-esque, right? He could be. And that's that's what Rivera said, and we were all laughing about it. You know, like, okay. Love it, man. Like, yeah. Ready for it. I'm ready. But wait, he's going to say but. I get it. He's going to say but. Yeah, I know. I'm waiting for it. The ceiling is the 101 in single quarterback dynasty leagues by this time next year. I, I truly believe that for Gibson. My only concern is will they actually utilize him in a true three-down role, right? And two, I, a lot of a lot of analysis has gone into this. I've read a ton of articles. There is no major concern with the toe, but that's just a nagging thing that's in the back of my mind. Is if he does somehow earn that workhorse role. How's that toe going to hold up? How's everything else going to hold up? So that's my only concern. And I'm a slightly more risk adverse dynasty GM. So that's why I'm still a little bit hesitant on him. Um, I'm slightly higher on Harris just because of that guaranteed workload for this year. We know that they're trying to sort of win a title in Ben's last year or two in the league. So they don't care. They're going to run Harris into the ground. They're not worried about a second contract at this point for the rookie. So I I think he has that guaranteed workhorse role. And this brings me to Edwards Allaire. And I'm probably one of the highest in among all the fantasy community that I've seen on him. And the reason for this is because everyone's equating last year to, oh, they're going to use a committee. Um, They're really going to limit his touches. They haven't used him much as a receiver. And he was a rookie. And before they signed Le'Veon Bell, because they were in a Super Bowl window, they wanted that veteran presence. You know, they wanted the insurance. But now, year two in that system, I do think that he can be uh, what LaShawn McCoy was in his prime. He can be what Austin Eckler is, but behind a better offensive line and in a top three offense. So that is why I'm so sky high on Edwards Alaire. And I do think that people are sleeping on him because – People are saying, yeah, grab him in the second, but I think he belongs in the late first in redraft format. Woo! That's Not only that, there, just, to, you know? just to add to that, you got to remember Andy Reid's running back playbook is very hard to learn. 
Yeah. Um, it's very in like in depth and there's a lot of things they have to do. So you don't know Clyde Edwards could have had like a limited, like they could have been limiting that playbook because they didn't get that off season. And I'm with you, Mong. I, I like Edwards. Allaire as like a huge, like breakout slash bounce back type player. Yeah. Cause I think he disappointed a lot of people last year. I think that this year he could be definitely huge because he was effective. He had a good, I, I mean, he was good on the ground. He just never got the touchdowns or the passing work. So he gets he was, any of that, and it's yeah. Ceiling, I mean, that's you know? that's a great point because he was a top twelve running back before they signed Le'Veon Bell. That's right, and that was with a ton of red zone carries behind a very bad offensive line yeah. that was already starting to get hurt. So you know, mm-hmm. just give him two or three touchdowns, and he was already a top five ish fantasy running back last year. Yeah, and that O line could be top five in the league now. So a lot has changed. I'm with these guys. It's going to be really interesting to watch that one play out. So we did our smash. We did our crash. Now I want to hear about a stash. I want. I know you've already, Mung, you've said something about Elijah Mitchell. Jeremy and John, I want you to give me one guy for maybe your redraft who we're not really thinking about or one guy for your dynasty who's a running back who could really come out and just who's readily available who could really help win you your league. We'll go with you, Jeremy, since you're the the uh, the multiple time guest. You got a stew in here. I can feel like you got something here for me. Jeffrey's gonna go with Philip Lindsay for Did I call you Jeffrey again? <laughs> no, but I'm just gonna call myself Jeffrey now. So I'm gonna go with Philip Lindsay in redraft. Um, I I know that there's some talk. I think they said it on the actually the depth chart they already listed him ahead of David Johnson. Um, I think Philip Lindsay could be a sneaky guy who takes over there. Um, depending on how David Johnson looks early on in the season, especially for redraft, not really for dynasty. Um, but for dynasty, I'm still all in on Kylan Hill. I was in and on him before the draft. And I mean, I've been retweeting it. If you follow me on Twitter, you know it. I've been retreating everything I can from a beat reporter that it, I mean, Kylan Hill's impressing there. He with Aaron Jones down right now, he's just showing great vision. Like he showed in college. He just, I think there's a possibility that, even though they paid Aaron Jones, they could move on from him sooner than later if AJ Dillon and uh, Kylan Hill kind of keep pushing him the way it seems like they are. So that's my big stash and Philip Lindsay for redress. I got to thank you for coming on. I mean, you are a warrior. You, you're doing things for so many different you know avenues. I'm going to give you one more chance here to plug what you got going on, and you know, obviously, you're part of the Smash Except family, and we love having you on whenever you can. Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean. I'm available. I got no life. I'm one of those guys, you know, it has no life. It just lives in the fantasy world. So, but yeah, um, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you can, you guys can find me on Twitter at Pope's FFH and any of my work you can find mostly over at yards per fantasy and the sports gambling podcast network. Um, and other than that, just send DMS. I'm always open for anything. And tequila is in like, honestly just met him through the smash except league. And now Dude, like, there's like, there's like five leagues we're in. It's like we sign up for like a different league and a different charity league. And then it like he's like, yo, did you sign up for this? And I was like, yeah. And then it's like, boom, we're in the same league. And it's like the yeah. same league of the 20 team leagues. It's like, oh, OK. No, Tequila so. <laughs> Operator is a great guy. Great, great person in our, our Smash Accept Listener League. I'm getting some questions about starting the Smash Accept Listener League 3. I think we're going to have to wait till next year on that, you know, because people are excited on it. Um, you know, Jeremy, I'm the old man of the group. And I, sometimes I even call my kids the wrong name. You guys are all my my dynasty kids, you know, as the old guy here. You know, I, I think Mung might actually be my grandson, you know, my dynasty grandson. We're a little bit different in there. John, take us home here. Who's your who's your stash? All right. I'm going to stash. Say Tom Selleck, please. 
<laughs> well, well played. He did have probably the best stash in the biz. But uh, I'm going to go with Damian Harris. And he could still get this guy like RB30. And I like him for redraft too. I like redraft yeah. and dynasty that late. And I, and I think that he, he could really surprise some people, especially, again, Belichick is not going to play rookie running backs that often. We've seen that pretty consistently. Now he understands the system. Again, another offseason. The guy will surprise you. He can catch the ball. He could get some red zone work. And especially, and, I, and I'll give Tequila Operate a little love here, wait for Mac Jones. It's coming. It's going to happen. Mac Jones right, week is going to take over that offense. That's right. And All in, of them. In that, yeah, and then you're looking at a much more secure red zone uh, type of role for Damian Harris as well. You start stacking up some some touchdowns and, you know, good, strong runner, good catcher. So I like that one, and, and he's still pretty cheap. So go grab yourself some Damian Harris. I like it. Mung, you got one more? I mean, I, I can't wait to go read that article about some of the other guys you got in there. You, you referenced Mitchell. You have one more for us? No, I'll keep it a mystery. Go check out the article. It's free at Fantrax. But I will say, you know, ask yourself this. Do you think Raheem Mostert plays 17 games this year? And if your answer is no, then you should be buying Elijah Mitchell. That's all I have to say and Jeff about Wilson. that. <laughs> and and Jeff Wilson, if you want. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the process.